Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Happy Sabbath, everybody. How are we doing today? I'm about to change your life. You have no idea what's about to happen, but it's going to help you. How's that sound? Huh? Do you trust me? Let's give thanks to Yahweh as we start this message today. Father, we're so thankful to be in your presence. We just pray it as we go into this message on trust in marriage, Father, that you will lead and guide. Yahweh, I pray that you would help us to understand, to evaluate, and to change the way we deal with our spouse, the way we deal with our children, Father, the way we deal with you. We give you thanks for this opportunity and pray your blessing be upon this message and may your words be spoken today according to your will and all for your glory. In Yeshua's name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, everybody. Man, I'm excited. Nothing better than marriage. Amen? Nothing better. If you're in marriage, you've got the best. And if you're not in marriage, you're jealous. But don't worry, you can be married too. For those of you who uh, may be visiting and are new, my name is Keith Wilson, and my wife Amanda and I are blessed with four children. We're also blessed to be a part of the assembly here and the, the ministry that goes on. We're thankful to work with the young people, the youth of our assembly, and uh, just pray that we are as much of a blessing to them as they are to us. Young people, I want to talk to you today because if you're thinking about getting married, this is the most important topic that you can think about in marriage. I had a great marriage joke, but Walker said I couldn't tell it. So, it was an original. By the way, my wife also said I couldn't tell it. Let me ask you this. Who famously said this? How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? Does anybody know who said that? Delilah. Delilah. Mm, Ringing a bell now. She said that to him right before she betrayed him and he lost his both of his eyes and all of his strength. Sneaky. Hey, let me tell you this. Most people, when they're getting into a relationship and it starts with attraction, oh, he's so cute. Oh, she's so hot. And then it goes on into dating, into courtship where we're learning about each other and we're blossoming this wonderful relationship, which ultimately leads to the idea of marriage. And I uh, propose to this person, there's one primary question that all that is built to answer. And that is this, very deep. Will this person that I love so much kill me in my sleep someday. 
That's what we're trying to figure out. Is this person dangerous? Tommy Nelson said that getting married is like putting a 357 to your head that's loaded and putting your wife's finger on the trigger. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful idea? Doesn't it sound like a delightful institution that Yahweh has made? Our text today will be from the book of Judges, chapters 14 and 16. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 14, the book of Judges. Now, when you think about trust in marriage, you would think that the Bible will be full of examples, but it's really not. As a matter of fact, uh, in Judges, we have two really good examples of when it goes bad. And one of those was between a husband and a wife, and the other one was between a husband and his, uh, rather a man and his girlfriend. So we'll have to use this as the uh, foundation here. Trust is the foundation of a marriage. If you do not trust the person you're married to, your marriage is weak. If you don't trust the person you're getting married to, do not marry them. In premarital counseling, uh, we understand that ministers, their responsibility is to try and create conflict inside the relationship to see what happens so that everybody knows for sure what they're getting into. How many of you, <laughs> don't raise your hand, <laughs> woke up one day to your spouse and said to yourself, I did not sign up for this. This is not what I agreed to. Somebody violated the sacred contract and you are not my spouse. I don't know what you are, but this is not who I married. You're an alien from outer space. What have you done with my wife? Trust is the foundation. It's what every aspect of the relationship is built on. If you're dating and uh, you get told that you're going to be picked up at 7 o'clock, you trust that that's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, red flag. You told me you'd be ready at 7 o'clock. If that doesn't happen, get used to it. <laughs> Trust is the foundation. It's the, it's the concrete. It's the solid firmness that we can start building our house on, our children, our community. Everything hinges on trust. Let's go to Judges chapter 14. Now today I'd like to bring in three ideas. Number one, trust is the foundation. Number two, trust can be broken. And number three, what happens or what can I do when trust is broken? Now some people go their whole marriage and they never break the trust. And those people are heroes. They're, they're doing a great job. Hats off to you. 
Some people go through marriage and they have a lot of broken trust, which leads to major conflict. And that's the case of Samson here in the book of Judges. And we're going to start in chapter 14 and start in verse 15. Now, Samson here is hanging out at his personal wedding feast, which is a seven-day celebration or more that happens after two people get married. For uh, any of you who have ever been to a marriage uh, ceremony, the after party is called the reception. That's what we're talking about here. But this is like a week-long reception. How many of you are thankful you don't have to do a week-long reception? <laughs> um, how many dads are thankful they don't have to pay for it? So we're in the, the best part of marriage. Marriage has been consummated. We're having a party. Everything's going really great. Samson is hanging out with his friends. And uh, they challenged uh, him to something here. And he's giving them a riddle. By the way, the riddle that he gave him was really complicated. Most people think this is actually not even a real riddle. This is just an impossible question to answer. But Samson thought it was a decent enough riddle. Culturally, it may have been as well. So uh, anyway, he agrees that uh, if they get his riddle, that he's going to give them 30 linen wraps in verse 12 and 30 changes of clothes. But if they're unable to tell him, then they'll give him some clothes. Now, the rest of us, when we bet on riddles, typically it's money involved, but this must have been some people that needed some clothes. So they bet on clothes. And uh, anyway, so he gives the riddle in verse 14, but it came about in verse 15 on the fourth day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband that he may tell us the riddle or we will burn you and your father's house with fire. All that for 30 pieces of clothes. Have you invited us to impoverish us? Is this not so? So Samson's wife is married to the strongest man on the planet. Arguably the strongest man who's ever walked on the planet. Uh, I would say except for Yeshua because he had uh, supernatural power, which is also what Samson had. And so she's threatened by these people, her people, about what's going to happen if she doesn't tell the answer to the riddle. Because her people don't want to go poor, apparently. So Samson's wife, in verse 16, wept before him and said, You only hate me. Am I close? You do not love me. You have propounded a riddle to my son, the sons of my people, and I and have not told it to me. And then he said to her, Behold, I have not told it to my father or mother, so should I tell you? And the answer to that question is yes. In a marriage, there should be no secrets. But Samson liked keeping secrets in this particular case because he was interested in a new wardrobe. So she's challenging his commitment to relationship in the trust area. 
How committed to this relationship are you? Because if you're not willing to trust me, then we don't even have a relationship, do we? Well, she wept before him seven days. This is supposed to be a party, y'all. They just got married, y'all. But she's crying. Now, I don't know if she told him about the threat. If if it was me, I would say she probably didn't tell him because if she would have told him, hey, my life is being threatened and the life of my family is being threatened, if she would have told him that, I'm sure Samson would have dealt with it. How many of you think so? Yes. But she must not have. So she's asking Samson to trust her with his secret to the riddle while she yet withholds the information about the threat made against her life and the life of her family. Does anybody see it? Trust is a two-way street. Openness in marriage requires two people to trust each other. If you're in a marriage or you're getting married and you have things that you're not telling the other person, trust is an issue. So she's pleading her cause. And it came about on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so hard. And then she told the riddle to the sons of her people and the men of the city gave him the answer and the spirit of Yahweh came upon him in verse 19. He goes and he kills some other people to get the spoil and then he gives it to her and he went up to his father's house. And then Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his friend. Talk about ultimate betrayal. Ultimate betrayal. Samson trusted his friends. His friends threatened his wife. Samson trusts his wife. His wife saves his, her life and her family's life. Samson loses his wife. Trust is the center. It's everything. Now, let's go over to chapter 16. Samson continues to get into relationships that result in a huge lack of trust. Judges chapter 16. So Samson, Samson, I said Samsung like a phone, but I meant to say Samson. He's hanging out and uh, he ends up with this woman named Delilah. Verse four, after this came about that she, he loved a woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So Delilah is asked by the lords of the Philistines, the rulers of the Philistines, to entice Samson and figure out where his strength lies and how they can overpower him. And the rest of the story we all know, don't we? So Delilah asks Samson to reveal to her his most precious secret of all, how he's so strong. And what does he do? He lies to her. That's right. Why does he lie to her? Probably because he doesn't trust her. Probably because he's been in a few broken relationships and doesn't trust anybody. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been in a broken relationship where trust is broken and you have a difficult time trusting people? 
The old saying, once bit, twice shy. So he lies to her. She tells the Philistines, they come and try to get Samson. He breaks it, kills him. And then she says... Why did you lie to me? You made me look like an idiot in front of all my friends. That's what she says. She put his life in danger and her conclusion is you lied to me. Not I betrayed you. Hey, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Nothing. It's just you lied to me. You could have been killed. So what does she do? She asks him again. What's the secret? And again, he lies to her. And again, she betrays him. And again, he survives. And again, she says, you've made me look like a fool. Now, if you're dating, and this is the pattern of your relationship, get out. (laughs) Run. I'm serious. Don't try to, oh, well, you know, we just have a hard time. No, no, no. If your parents tell you, this girl is not trustworthy, or if your dad's telling you, he's not trustworthy, get out. Listen to the advice and the counsel of your family. Oof. But Samson, he didn't get out. He stayed right in there with her. So two times his life has been put in danger, and two times his wife is saying, ha you've lied to me. So he goes again. He talks about weaving his hair. So a third time. And that's when she comes up with this statement. Are you ready? This is a big one. How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? Don't you feel a connection, Samson, between your heart and mine? Don't you feel like we've got something special? I've tried to kill you three times. I think this is meant to be. We're in love. This is what love is all about. That's what she's saying. And it's true. You can't have love unless your heart is bonded together. You can't have love unless you trust the person. So she's saying, you keep telling me, oh, I love you. But yet I feel like your heart's not with me. And that hurts. What I need is your secrets. I need it. I would feel loved. And that's true. The problem is she was untrustworthy. Well, we know what happens. It says that um, it came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him. The definition of nagging that his soul was annoyed to death. This is a marriage. Well, it's not even a marriage. This is a relationship. How many of you have, by the way, without the death stuff and all that, how many of you have seen somebody in a relationship like this where it's just, and there's just constant turmoil? Oh, man. And so she nags him day after day after day. Tell me your secret. Tell me your secret. You don't love me. You don't love me. You don't love me. You don't love me. And then finally, he's so annoyed that he wants to die. How many of you have been in that situation before? Don't raise your hand and do not point. Don't even turn your head. By the way, in marriage uh, series, 
I don't know if you know this, but I think you should know this. I've been now in two sermons, two great sermons on marriage, by the way. And if you're sitting in a chair that has people behind you, they're watching to see when you turn your head and look at your spouse. That's a true story. And if they're not, I am. Who's going to look now? So if you want to be true to your spouse, you look straight ahead. Eyes on me and don't move. Don't even talk to her. Don't even whisper. Don't even put your hand on her leg. You'll be revealed. <laughs> so she nags him. He wants to die. And he tells her a secret. Of course, the Philistines come in. They capture him. And he goes and he kills all of them by one last miracle of Yahweh. Great story. So the point is that trust is the center, the foundation of the relationship. And if you don't have it, you cannot be happy or fulfilled in marriage. When you get married, your spouse is trusting that you're going to follow through with all the promises that you made. That I trust you're going to stay in your relationship with Yeshua. I trust that you're going to be a good dad or a good mom. I trust that you're going to remain faithful to me throughout our entire marriage, whether I'm in richer or poorer, in sickness and health, fat or skinny, I added that one, but it should be in there. <laughs> Older or younger, we're going, I'm trusting you to keep your promise. I'm trusting that you're going to carry your weight. How many of you know that marriage is work? Marriage is work. It looks glorious because it is glorious in times, but it's work. If you're thinking about getting marriage, married and you think, oh, this looks so great. Oh, it is. But how many of you know you don't get to reap the fruit unless you do the work? A field doesn't just accidentally grow corn. A garden doesn't accidentally produce grapes or tomatoes. Somebody has to go in and they got to work. They got to work. They got to work. How many of you are thankful for John Deere when it comes to working? Working. Marriage is work. And when you get married, what you're saying to the other person right in front of you is, I'm going to carry my weight I'm going to help pull the plow of marriage. And so many times people get disappointed because a promise was made and it was broken and the person that they got married to refuses to pull their weight. They get lazy. Girls, I want to tell you this much right now. When you're dating a boy, the boy you're dating is not the man you marry. He's going to, make, he's going to be the best. How do I know? Because I tried to be the best. And then when we got married, you know, it's easy to get lazy. Girls, you need to know whether he's trustworthy or not. And I'll tell you how you know, you consult experts. Raise your hand if you're an expert on marriage, huh? Hmm? Nobody? All right. That's good. That's test number three. Good. Your parents know a lot about marriage. Your grandparents know a lot about marriage.
when we get married, I'm trusting you to carry the load, to pull your weight. Now, whether you get married with traditional marriage views in, in sight, like the man will go out and he'll have a job and he'll bring in the income for the family and the wife stays home and she's going to cook and clean and she's going to raise children and so on and so on. That's what we consider a traditional marriage, which is biblical, by the way. Or if you get into a different kind of um, marriage where both parties are going, uh, both parties, <laughs> or both spouses are going to work and we're going to raise children through the daycare system or whatever it is you come up with. By the way, it's your marriage. Just make sure that everybody signs the, the same document. That's what premarital counseling is for, is to make sure everybody knows the document that we're signing and it says the same thing. It always makes me curious when people get into a marriage and their spouse does something crazy and you're like, how did you not know that was going to happen? I knew it was going to happen and I'm not even marrying her. Or him. It's been both ways. Before we go on to broken trust, I want to say this specifically to the men. I believe firmly that men are endowed with a certain responsibility different than women. I believe that men are to act honorably. Men are to act honorably regarding ladies. They're instinctively built to protect women. And when a man violates this sacred honor, he's no longer worthy of trust and should be considered to be disgraced and must begin the long, lonely road to recovery. Men have an extra special responsibility. Even in a dating relationship, who is responsible for sexual integrity? It's the boy. Who is responsible for sexual integrity? It's the boy. She's trusting you to carry that load. When you get into a relationship, now today it's confusing and the young people try to explain it to me all the time. There's this new phase called talking. I always talked to girls. I don't understand it. But apparently talking is somewhere between hi and we're dating. And I've asked them to explain it to me and they, they get lost. I'll be honest. I said, can I talk to more than one girl at one time? No. Is there commitment in talking? No. That confuses me. <laughs> Can I kiss a girl I'm talking to? Yes. Can I kiss two girls I'm talking to? No. Is there commitment? No. It confuses me. Because I was, the way it was with me is when I started dating somebody, we were committed. You know what I'm saying? We were committed. I didn't date another 10th grader. And even in that moment, there's a level of trust that's given and Young men and young women, you're responsible to carry out the duties of that trust. I trust you to handle me with gentleness. I trust you to keep your word. When I say I want to find meaningful relationships, not physical ones, I expect when you say, okay, me too, that you actually mean that. Mm. Okay. Let's move on. That's not. I just want to stay in this moment for just one second here. Look. 
in marriage? Yeah, let's, let's go on. Let's just go on. We've only got 17 minutes left. When trust is broken, how can trust get broken? Trust gets broken, as we've discussed, when you don't honor the agreement that you made. Now, sometimes it's true that you don't know what the boundaries are, especially if you're new in marriage, and I'll give you that. The first few years of marriage were discovering boundaries, boundaries that didn't used to exist. Oh yeah, you can talk to Jessica, I think that's fine. We're married, why are you talking to Jessica? We're friends. Not anymore, you're not. Yes, ma'am. So we have to learn the boundaries. But here's the thing, trust can be broken because you don't hold your end of the bargain. Because you get lazy, because you get tempted, enticed. Samson kept getting enticed. The enticement, enticement, enticement. She's trusting that when you get enticed, you have the courage and the strength to say no. He's trusting that when you get enticed, you have the courage and the strength to say no. That's the marriage. But the enticements will come. Let me tell you, young people, just because you're married doesn't mean the devil gave up. Still interested in breaking your marriage, he is. That's what Yoda said. Actually, it's not. The devil wants to break your marriage up. He wants it to fail and succeed. Why do you think, not to get too political, why do you think the communist movement is spreading through the United States right now? What's the first thing they're doing? They're breaking down the family. The devil has a plan, and it starts with you and her. Enticements will come. Be strong. Be somebody that can be trustworthy. What do I trust with? I trust you with my emotions. I trust you with my secrets. I trust you with my sins. I trust you with my history. How can trust be broken? When you violate your spouse's trust by sharing those things with other people. You're sharing your spouse's secrets, their sins, their history, their desires, their emotions. You can even lose trust in a relationship because it's possible for me to trust you with information and then later you use that information against me. I trusted that you could handle it and now you're using it like a wedge or a knife in our marriage. Are you trustworthy with your spouse's most intimate secrets? Sometimes people keep secrets to themselves because they know their spouse can't handle it. Well, I'd love to tell Jim what I really think, but every time I do, he punches a wall. And we've only got so many walls. Jim's not trustworthy. It's a two-way street, y'all. And when trust breaks down, it's difficult. Difficult. I don't remember if it was Ferris or Kyle, but one of them talked about not uncovering their spouse. 
Don't uncover your spouse in front of others. They'll violate the trust. You'll break the trust. Trust is especially important and lofty expectations are held by those who claim to be leaders of the assembly. If a minister of the word of Yahweh takes advantage of someone who is weak or in need, he's committing a heinous crime worthy of the highest form of social punishment and judgment. It's serious. You violate the trust as a minister of Yahweh. Let the brimstone fall. I expect anybody to keep us accountable. Amen? Burns my biscuits. What do we do when trust is broken? Number three. What do you do? You violated the trust. Your marriage is broken. Is there any way to fix it? Yes, there is. It is possible. You listen to any pastor who has been counseling married people, and they will tell you stories about times when infidelity occurred. Gross infidelity. I'm talking about, I remember Jimmy Evans sharing a story about a wife who was coming to him because her marriage was in trouble. Her husband would come home from work and uh, he would eat dinner and then he would get his clothes and head to his girlfriend's house. And then he would leave his girlfriend's house and come back to the house in the morning to get ready for work and then go to work. Put that on repeat. And Jimmy told her, you can divorce this man. You have every right. And she says, I want my husband. Okay, let's get to work because it's going to take work. If trust is broken, you can count on the fact that work will be involved, painful, excruciating work, but it can be accomplished. There is redemption through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Redemption, the ability, but you can't go, mm, you got to do it right. First, it takes accountability. You have to be accountable to the person that you violated. What does that mean, accountable? That means if this person uh, wants to know where you are, at any moment they can say, where are you? And that is not annoying to you. Who are you with? That's not annoying to you. Following a specific plan, knowing exactly what you're looking at on your phone, knowing exactly who you're working with at work, knowing exactly where you're going after work, all of those things are involved in accountability. You want to talk about privacy. It doesn't exist anymore. It shouldn't have existed in the first place, which is probably why we got into the, the, the mess we're in. There's no privacy in marriage. The only privacy you can count on is perhaps, hopefully, when you're using the restroom. And even then, it's iffy. No privacy in marriage. So if you broke the trust and she wants to know where you are, you say ahead of time, I'm headed to the grocery store. I'm leaving the grocery store. I'm headed home. Timing. She needs to know where you are and when you are. Why am I saying she? I don't know because it's convenient. It can go he too. 
He needs to know where you are, who you're hanging out with, what's going on. Are my children around to keep you in a... <laughs> I remember one time, I'm pretty sure I'm getting this story right. Uh, Noah was little and mom came, to, uh, Amanda rather, came to a four-way stop and I think she smiled and waved at some guy in a truck and Noah said, who is that and what's he doing? Got a boy. See? See what I'm saying? Accountability. Mm -mm. Trust is rebuilt through time and commitments being kept. How do you rebuild trust? Keep your word. It's that simple. Overcommit and then overdeliver. It can be done. Apologize a million times. Be humble. Can, can somebody just be humble? Yeah, you got to break down. Like you are, you know, you, got, you start from zero. You start from scratch and you got to build up. Being accountable. If your wife or your husband is jealous of a situation, you go above and beyond to remove that jealousy. It's just that simple. You're in what we call the doghouse. And there's steps that must be taken in order to get back in the house again. Some people start building a new house right there over the doghouse. It's not going to help. Some people move out, start building a house somewhere else. It's not going to help. Over-communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate. And you might think, this is going to be really tiring and really annoying. You're right. You broke the sacred trust. You violated your agreements. You have to make it right. She's being so naggy. Yeah, she is. Or yes, he is. When the jealousy has been aroused, steps must be taken. Young people, I hope you don't overlook this vital and most essential concept of trust in your, in your marriage. And by the way, if you've been married for umpteen years, you need to revisit your commitments. Do the risky thing and ask your wife, how am I doing on keeping the commitments that we agreed on whenever we got married? Huh? Who's willing to ask that question? How am I doing? Is there something that I agree to that I'm not following through with? Is there something that I should be doing that would make your life better? You made a vow. You're responsible for upholding it. She didn't sign up for this and that, and you didn't sign up for this and that. And if you have a true trusting relationship, you should be able to talk about that. So, just to reiterate, trust is the foundation. Trust can be broken. 
and there are steps you take whenever trust is broken. But I want to tell you honestly, I've heard of marriages where the people say our marriage is stronger now than it ever was before the trust was broken. That's the goal. But don't expect it to happen overnight, tomorrow, a week from now. You need to put real expectations on it. When the sacred trust is broken, it takes time. Time. I want to close by sharing with you, particularly to the young people, that the most trusting relationship that you can be involved in is your relationship with Yeshua. That's a promise keeper right there. He kept every word that his father required of him perfectly. And he's made promises to his people. Promises to build a house and to come back for them. Many of you do not trust Yeshua or haven't yet. You're still relying on yourself. You're still thinking about having fun without him. I encourage each one of you to think about trusting your salvation to the only person who can save you. That is the only begotten Son of Yahweh Almighty, Yeshua. He's faithful. He's true. And He is the only way you're going to see the streets of gold. The only way. Hearing about Him, talking about Him, thinking about Him is not enough. You have to trust Him. How do you trust Yeshua? You become baptized, you immerse yourself in the waters of baptism, and you let go of yourself. That's how you trust Him. You start living for Him instead of living for yourself. I hope you make that decision. Because if you're not making that decision for Him, and you're in this room, nobody should be getting married to you. If you can't commit to Him, you can't commit to her. If you can't commit to Him, you can't commit to Him. Let's pray. Yahweh, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share the Word today. I pray that as we think about our relationships, our marriages, that you would let us consider, honestly, am I a trustworthy person? Am I holding up my end of our agreement? Have I held our marriage in the highest regard? Or do I wonder? Is my heart wondering here and there? Am I overtaken by pursuits of the world? Am I overtaken by the lust of the flesh? Am I being pulled in different directions? Yahweh, help us to think responsibly to really and truly question our commitment to our marriage. But more than that, Yahweh, help us to question our commitment to you. Am I faithful to you as much as you are faithful to me? I pray for every heart that's here that you would mend brokenness. If there's brokenness, if there's a relationship that's been taken down because of trust, I pray that you would help us go through the steps of making that better. If there's young people here who are struggling with sin or struggling with guilt or struggling with pain, I pray that you would 
lead them by your Holy Spirit to the only healer who can make it better. Father, we give you thanks for your son, Yeshua. We're thankful for the salvation that he offers each and every one of us. We're thankful that every day that we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. Father, just as he promised. And we just pray that he'll come soon according to your will and for your glory. We give you thanks in his name. Amen. Thank you for your time today. May I bless you.